You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network. We're serving you up quick-hitting news and analysis for Green Bay Packers fans. I'm joined by my friend Gil Martin, and my name is J.J. Leahy. Gil's a writer for thesportsdaily.com and Cheesehead TV. And in addition to this podcast, I host the Daily Cheese Green Bay Packers News Update. We're here to talk Packers because we're all here for one thing, and that's love for Green Bay football. Gil, this week... We are hot off a glorious win over the Detroit Lions, 31-24. to The game, of course, was not nearly as close as the score would indicate. But when the dust had settled, the Packers had won the NFC North for the second year in a row. Going back to uh, 2014, we have not had back-to-back division champs uh, from any team in the NFC North. So it's Wonderful that the Packers are back on top, and we are back on top of the NFC since the Saints fell to the Eagles. We are tied with the Saints, but since we beat them head-to-head, the number one seed belongs to us. Now, our destiny is in our hands. The Packers can force the road to the Super Bowl to go through Green Bay and the great frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. Gil, how are you feeling? I'm doing all right. How about you? I'm pumped. I'm really pumped. And, uh, you know, sometimes I don't really see eye to eye with a lot of uh, Packers social media. And this Lions game was one of those instances because I'm watching the game. I'm all excited. I'm loving what I'm seeing. We get to the end and I'm looking at what other people have been going through this whole game and they've been stressed. They've been upset. They're mad at the defense. And I just couldn't see it. I was happy. I thought it was a good win. This is a team that usually plays us really, really tough in Detroit. I was proud of the performance. What was your take? I was pleased with the performance in a lot of ways. Definitely the offense got the job done. And to me, the big area of concern after last week's game remains special teams, where Uh, You know, that big kickoff return really got Detroit back into the game late when they really shouldn't have. And, you know, even that onside kick kind of worried me because I don't think they played it very well. Although, you know, they ruled that the ball went out of bounds and that was the right ruling. But it, it was frightening because I think they gave Detroit a chance to get back into the game. I'm glad you didn't say the defense because I was more or less pretty pleased with how the defense played. And I can absolutely agree with you on the special teams. And yeah, the lions are the reason that that onside kick was not successful. The Packers were not. And uh, you're sitting there and you're going, this is not a special teams unit that is prepared. Special teams continues to be an issue. I think that it is the biggest liability heading into the playoffs. Here's some good news. The Panthers suck on special teams. So we do get a bit of a break. (laughs) They're terrible. They had, I believe, one kick return last week for 16 yards and then two fair catches on punts, and and that was it. We do get a bit of a breather, hopefully, on special teams versus the Panthers. But, man, heading into the playoffs, uh, I got some heartburn. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, to me, we've had special teams breakdowns. What was it against Houston, against Detroit? Uh, you know, against some pretty bad teams so far, Philadelphia, 
you, you get into a game against a quality opponent, whether it's the Bucks or the Saints, uh, and, and, you know, it's a close game all the way, that could be the difference between your season ending or advancing to the Super Bowl. And you can't let bad mistakes on special teams cost you your season. That is something the Packers have to avoid at all costs. Well, you know what? I know it. Our audience knows it. We've been bellyaching about special teams for a while. They're, they don't seem to be getting much better. Let's look ahead to the Carolina Panthers this week. I had my work cut out for me researching the Panthers this week because the Panthers are a team that I never watch. I don't pay a lot of attention to them throughout the year. You know, there's 31 other teams besides the Packers that I have to keep up on. They've changed a lot in the last year. Panthers are the least interesting team to me in the NFC. I watch like one, maybe two Panthers games a year. My research this week was pretty fun. Looking into some of the things that they do um, defensively that were catching my eye. Matt LaFleur actually talked about this uh, Thursday in a presser. One of the things that has him stressing a bit about this game is that the Panthers defense kind of looks different every time you see them. Matt LaFleur said, this is unlike any defense we've seen this year. They are a game plan defense, he said. They give you a lot of different looks based on who they are playing. They use a ton of different coverages. They play everybody differently. That makes them tough to prepare for. You don't even know um, what kinds of personnel groupings they even prefer to come out in. So here's my theory. I'm curious about your take. I think we're going to see them try and emulate what the Buccaneers did against us. And part of that has to do with the fact that the Buccaneers are in their division, and so they are very familiar with the Buccaneers' defense. I think you could see... The Panthers' D-line come out in uh, you know, a, a five, five uh, wide, <clears throat> five front, and uh, really try and, and put pressure on us, uh, you know, just man-to-man, try and get pressure to Aaron. I think you could see them have some success with that as early as the second quarter. Teams that try and do that have been successful pretty frequently over the last couple of years. So give me your thoughts real quick. I think that that's not a bad strategy. The question is, do they have the horses to make that work? You look at the Buccaneers defense, how strong they are in the front seven. And I am not sure. I mean, like I like the linebacking core for the Panthers, you know, Shaq Thompson to hear Whitehead, Jeremy Chin and, and Chin, To me, you got to be very wary of him trying to strip the ball. He's very good at that. But Mm -hmm. overall, I I just don't think the front seven of the Carolina Panthers is as deep and as talented as the Buccaneers were. So I I think that's true that to me, it might be a good strategy. But if you don't have the horses to pull it off, it won't be as effective as it was when the Bucs did it. Well, Jeremy Chin is one of the guys that I have highlighted that we need to keep an eye on. Brian Burns also, uh, a lot of Packer fans are going to be sad about this because they wanted Brian Burns over Rashawn Gary. Brian Burns has been playing really well. He was bad last year. He turned a corner. He's been very good this year. Brian Burns and Jeremy Chin are, are two two guys, along with, um, man, I don't know how you say this guy's name, F.A. Obata. His numbers are great. Um, Eater Gross Matos, his numbers are great. These are... These are some scary guys on defense. 
you don't have to worry about their offense very much, but their their defense, especially especially their um, defensive end and and uh, outside linebackers, they can get you. You got some smart guys there on the defense. Their corners are pretty bad. They're actually all of their uh, defensive backfield is is in rough shape. But the uh, if they do have any strength, it is their front seven. And like you said, they don't have the same talent that the Panthers do, but they're very creative in how they're used. The Packers, Lafleur said today uh, on Thursday that one of the things that is going to be a big key is sticking to your basics. Trust your training and the rules that have been, been pounded into you all season long. If you, as an offensive line, if you master the basics and win the small battles, the big ones are going to take care of themselves and you'll be able to keep Rogers clean all night. If you have one, maybe two guys who are just not feeling it, we could be looking at a long heartburn heavy night that should still end in a win. But we've had games recently in the last couple of years like this, where this is a team we should put away early, never see him again. But it could end up being a long four-quarter slugfest. And, and hopefully the Packers learned from that Buccaneers game. And and I, I think the key here, again, for Green Bay, you know, there's not going to be Christian McCaffrey. He's not playing. So the Packers are fortunate in that area. I agree with you. The offense of Carolina doesn't scare me much. And I think right now this Packers offense is playing so well And I got to give my hats off to that offensive line because they have overcome so many injuries and so many shifts in different personnel settings and players playing different positions. And yet they are still ranked at or close to the best offensive line in the National Football League. I mean, look at Eldon Jenkins just all by himself. He has started games at tackle, guard and center for the Packers this year, and he's done a pretty good job uh, at all three positions and you got to appreciate Billy Turner has played uh, left tackle right tackle and guard this year for the Packers Lucas Patrick has played both guards and a little center Uh, the the list goes on but it's just very impressive that the Packers have been able to pull this off and still get such great production out of their offensive line you know those offensive linemen don't get enough credit I want to give them a little shout out right now you know, I'm going to go ahead and um, <clears throat> I, I have to give props to Billy Turner because you remember I have not been a Billy Turner fan. He has drastically outperformed what I thought he was capable of. And credit where credit is due. He has been more than serviceable. He has been very good at right tackle. Um, I, I don't know if it's that he's playing differently this year. I don't know if tackle is just a better fit for him than right guard. He's been decent when we've asked him to play right guard this year as well. I, I thought he had a bit of a slow start to the season that kind of contributed to um, reaffirming the negative uh, opinion that I had of Billy Turner. He has played extraordinarily well, especially throughout the second half of this season. And he he has he he's changed my mind. I'm taking my hat off to him. 
Man, especially holding uh, Khalil Mack back. <laughs> Khalil Mack was invisible in the la- last time we played the Bears. You don't do that. Nobody does that. So props to Billy Turner. Uh, I'm really, really happy with the uh, production we've seen out of him. To your point about all the different personnel um, groupings we've had on the O-line, all the different guys we've had at different positions, we're going to see a little bit of that again this week. Uh, Simon Stepniak, not going to be ready to go. You're probably going to see Ben Braden, who is all out of practice squad elevations unless they... No, because they don't have anybody on the on the COVID list. Back when they had AJ Dillon on the COVID list, they were using that to give guys some extra elevations as a COVID replacement. I don't think we have anybody else on the COVID list. So Ben Brayton is all out of elevations, so they don't have anybody else <clears throat> that seems like a natural elevation from the practice squad. I think Ben Brayton might get signed to the active roster at least for a week, maybe throughout the rest of the season. Uh, at least we did hear Adam Stenvich said that uh, Stepniak might be ab- available for the playoffs. So, and you, you know, they would rather go with Stepniak over Braden if he's able to play. He's not able able to play right now. So, <clears throat> credit to Adam Stenvich and Luke, Luke Buckus. This offensive line, they're world beaters. The, yeah, they have sometimes when they're off. They're uh, the Tampa Tampa Bay game was not a, a complete disaster, but it was. Definitely one of their lesser showings, but hats off to them. They have, especially how much they move around, I, they're they're practically flawless. So, JJ, one area that the Packers, I think, should be able to take advantage of is the interior of the Carolina offensive line. And to me, that means Kenny Clark, who's been playing much better as of late now that he's healthy again. He should have a big game against the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, their interior is terrible. And it starts with the guards. Uh, Chris Reed, left guard, John Miller, right guard. They're not even like serviceable guards. This is bottom of the barrel in the league. Their center does just an okay job. <clears throat> At tackle, they're they're pretty pretty much okay. Russell Okung is a great left tackle. Uh Taylor Moten is above average at right tackle Kenny Clark and probably uh, the Packers like to put Zedarius on the inside. Sometimes Zedarius Kingsley, these guys I think are going to be the key to getting home, putting pressure on Teddy. You have to take advantage of this matchup or you're giving up a huge advantage and just letting it go to waste. Yeah. And, and hopefully the Packers will be able to do that. It's an important thing. Because, you know, that's also one way you stop the running game. Uh, Can't let them run up the middle and you have an advantage in the trenches there. And then, you know, if Kingsley Kiki and Kenny Clark can get some pressure up the middle, uh, you know, that could negate the fact that Rashawn Gary is banged up and and may not be ready to go. And, you know, hopefully they'll be able to get enough pressure on Teddy Bridgewater and take advantage of that matchup. Looking on the Panthers defense again, I just want to single out a couple guys to keep an eye on. Uh, Troy Pride, a cornerback. <clears throat> he's, I believe he's a rookie. I think he was drafted this year. He's been not terrible. Um, the rest of their DBs are 
just not good. Jeremy Chin at uh, he's their strong safety, easily the best DB they have. Cutting over to the offense, their passing game is dreadful. The offensive line cannot pass block to save their lives, or rather to save Teddy's life. (laughs) (laughs) Here's one of the things with Teddy. He is a game manager, but he's not been the best game manager this year, and that's certainly not what this offense is built to be. They... They run the ball extremely well. This is a very good run-blocking offensive line. But they're used to Cam, who, yeah, he's not the greatest passer in the world. He's he's more of a risk-taker than Teddy. This offense, is this passing game is built on big chunk plays. Big plays, getting the ball deep down the field. Not all this dink and dunk. Uh, you got with, with Teddy, you get check down after check down. And a big part of that is due to the offensive line that can't keep him clean. He's got to get the ball out immediately or he'll be flat on his back. And and it's a good thing for Carolina that he's fairly mobile, even after the injuries that he's dealt with, because he needs to be, and he needs to be able to extend plays. And, you know, you talk about the checkdowns. The the thing about Bridgewater, he is actually completing almost 71% of his passes, but the yards just aren't there. And, you know, he he does tend to check down out of necessity. But on the flip side, you know, they've only given up 26 sacks all season. So Bridgewater's mobility has at least limited the number of sacks they've taken, even if he's not able to get the ball downfield like they'd like to. And when they do go downfield, to me, the guy who I'm worrying about is Robbie Anderson, leading the team with 83 catches And, you know, he's a deep threat and he's got good size. So then to me, the question in one of the matchups I'm wondering about, do you match up Jair Alexander on him? He's your better cover guy. Do you go with Kevin King, who has struggled the last couple of games since returning from injury, but has the size advantage that matches up better with Anderson? Or do you try to go more zone uh, which they may be doing anyway without Raven Green being available and try to contain him that way. That, that to me, is one of the matchups I'm looking at in this one. I think I'd put Jair on him because they don't have anybody else. DJ Moore is out. Curtis Samuel, he's he's good, but he's not Robbie Anderson. He's not putting up the same numbers. He's not the kind of threat that Robbie is. Mm-hmm. If you can force Teddy to be trying to get the ball to Curtis all day, Darnell Savage, here's 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 the thing. Teddy has never gone back-to-back weeks this year without throwing an interception. He's had games where he didn't throw an interception, but never back-to-back games. He did not throw one last week versus the Broncos. He's due. (laughs) I think Darnell gets another interception here. If you can, if you don't, you don't even hear Jair's name being called anymore because whoever he's covering is invisible. Calvin Ridley was invisible when we played the Falcons. Jair is just completely taking these receivers out of the game. If Teddy is trying to force the ball to Curtis Samuel, Darnell Savage, who has been playing out of his mind lately, just white hot. 
he's going to feast. He's I. We have to win the turnover battle. There's no question. And I think you're gonna. I think you're gonna see at least one interception, probably two interceptions this week, if we can get some early points and force them to try and beat us through the air. They, they're. I will say their offense has not really taken a step back without Christian McCaffrey. Mike, Mike Davis, and this run blocking offensive line have been doing quite, quite well, doing a lot of damage to, to other teams. Yeah, yeah, and and always when you're looking at the Packers defense, you're always concerned about that run defense because it has struggled. Now against Detroit, they did very, very well. Held the Lions to what was it? 51, 61 yards, 3.2 yards a carry roughly. That those were solid numbers and that was a good performance, but again, the 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 best weapon that the Packers run defense has is the offense getting the team off to a quick start, taking a lead, and other teams have to pass in order to get back into the game. I lo- I really like our chances passing. Dante Jackson, uh, one of the better cor- corners on this team, he's struggling with turf toe. And a lot of people either wouldn't care or would kind of chuckle about that. But Packer fans remember turf toe sidelining Devontae Adams last year. They remember hearing about what a painful injury that is. The fact that Dante Jackson is playing at all, number one, tells you, you know, kudos to him for (laughs) pushing through that. But number two, they don't have any depth. Their cornerback group is terrible. And if, if Dante Jackson is going out there with turf toe, there is no excuse at all why Aaron Rodgers and Devontae and MVS aren't going to put up monster numbers and a lot of points. I definitely see a big day offensively, and I'm going to tell you something. This is the game that Alan Lazard, I think, contributes the most he has since that week three win in New Orleans. I think he's starting to round back into health, get back into the flow of the offense, and I think against this secondary, Lazard will have at least five catches and have a solid game. Five catches, 75 yards, and a touchdown is what I'm looking at. So uh, MVS versus Lions type numbers, right? Yeah, yeah, basically. (laughs) Hey, kudos to MVS. What a monster game. That was beautiful. I mean, okay, with MVS... He's a massive human being, really fast, really tall. And he didn't use either of those traits to carve up the Lions secondary. He was running beautiful routes. He was in the right place at the right time, making gorgeous catches. He was hauling in balls with the, he was, you know, they were hand catches, not body catches. He had that one back shoulder catch. That was just, oh my goodness. I just got this big smile all over my face watching this. This is the this was hands down the best game I've ever seen from MVS. It was the biggest leap in his growth. I was so excited for him. And this is this is the missing piece to his skill set. He's always struggled mentally. He's always struggled with, with his hands. Some of those catches that he hauled in, including that touchdown. You would not have been mad. You would not even have been frustrated if Devontae dropped them. You would have said, yeah, that's hard to haul in. But he, his hands were so sure. I <laughs> credit the stick <laughs> credit, uh 
credit, you know, the extra work he's been putting in in practice. I don't know, man, but I was really proud of him. He was our wide receiver too for the day. Actually, I think if I remember correctly, I think he had better numbers than uh, Devontae did, at least more catches. Uh, I think it was even, but yeah, as far as catches goes, I think they both had six. But yeah, I mean, uh, MVS played very well. And the beautiful thing in my mind was the consistency. He had the same number Mm -hmm. of catches as he had targets. You mentioned the hands. You know, he's always good for, it seems like, one or two drops a game. And then he'll make some spectacular plays that sort of make you remember, hey, this is why we drafted this guy. We need more consistency from him. That, to me, is the key to him taking the next step. And, yeah, last week's game was a big uh, step forward for him. He needs to keep playing like that in order to solidify himself as a bonafide WR2 in this league. Well, this game matters a lot more to the Packers than it does to the Panthers. First of all, the Panthers are out. The fan base is defeated. The players are playing without any heart. They got just annihilated by the Denver Broncos, who are a terrible team. They are done with the season. They are just treading water, waiting for it to end, looking forward to the draft. They really want a new quarterback. The fans want a new quarterback. They are sick of Teddy. (laughs) The Packers need to win this game. This is an NFC matchup. They only have two left, Panthers and Bears. Their third game is the Titans, who are in the AFC. This matters a lot for playoff seeding. The Packers hold the number one seed due to their tiebreaker with the New Orleans Saints. The Saints have to play the Chiefs, the Vikings, and we know how much the Vikings are in the Saints' heads. I would I would almost be surprised if the Chiefs managed to beat the Vikings, as bad as the Vikings have been this year. They have a Vikings complex, let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking forward to that. And I I definitely expect them to lose the Chiefs. This matters a lot because obviously there's only one playoff by this year. But also, it matters in terms of who you would play. The Packers obviously really want, and Aaron Rodgers in particular, really wants the playoffs, the road to the Super Bowl, to run through Lambeau. As he said earlier this week, he has played in four NFC Championship games, and all four have been on the road. He wants that to change this year. Lafleur keeps refusing to talk about the playoff position. He's focused on, you know, our our objective this week is to beat the team in front of us. That is not the case with the the players. Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams in particular, they care about this. They're thinking about it. It's a priority. They know how special this team is. They have their sights set on the Lombardi Trophy. They're giving it their all every week. They want that home field advantage through the playoffs. And if the Packers don't lose either of their NFC games against the Panthers and the Bears, and the Saints lose just one of their remaining three games, which, by the way, it's the Chiefs, the Vikings, and their division rival, the Panthers, who are going to play the Saints a lot harder than the harder than they will play us. The Packers finished no worse than first in the league. The whole key is to win these remaining two NFC games. That is the bottom line. 
The Saints have a tougher schedule. We still don't know when Drew Brees will play in a game. He is supposedly going to return to practice late this week. But at the end of the day, right now, look, we y- y- the expression is all gas, no break. In terms of the season, you can't let up for these last three games. You could afford to lose to Tennessee as long as the, the Saints, if they lose to the Chiefs, the Packers are a in a very good driver's seat situation if they win those remaining two NFC games. That's right. The other teams that we are concerned about would be the Seahawks and the Rams. But if the Packers win against the Panthers and the Bears, the Rams and Seahawks cannot catch up. So that Titans game matters only in terms of if you need to stay ahead of the Saints, if the Saints manage to run the table and beat the Vikings and the Chiefs. So keep an eye out. I will say if the Chiefs or if if the Saints do drop a game here, if they lose to the Chiefs, expect Matt LaFleur to maybe not push so hard against the Titans because he did talk about today uh, Thursday when he was talking to the reporters that he is very concerned about keeping guys fresh for the playoffs. They were very banged up when they went into the playoffs last year. He he does want the bye to get healthy. But you look at how many players the Packers have been losing every week due to injury. He is concerned about that. So I would not be shocked to see him maybe rest some of the starters versus Tennessee. Be okay with possibly dropping that game if you can afford it versus the Saints. And then come home and hit hard against the Bears and then go head into that bye week. So that would be really nice to see. Only can happen, though, if the Chiefs lose against uh, if the Chiefs beat the Saints, rather. That If the Saints win and they're right on the Packers' tail, tied in record, but the Packers have the tiebreaker, then they cannot afford to let up under any circumstances. Nope. Hey, Pro Bowl's around the corner. Let's talk about that. Uh, who is your pick for a guy who should make the Pro Bowl and probably won't? Because we have, obviously, players like uh, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, they have to make the Pro Bowl, although hopefully they'll be playing in the Super Bowl instead. Uh, David Bakhtiari, who's your pick for somebody who you think should make it and won't? Yeah, it's uh, that's a tough one because, you know, we have so many guys who I think are clear-cut uh, choices for the Pro Bowl. I, I, I am going to go with Corey Lindsley, and I think, you know, based on the way he's played, he belongs in the Pro Bowl He was, you know, the top ranked center by pro football focus at the time of his injury. But, you know, when you're hurt, when people are voting, uh, both players and fans, it it might make a lot of people think twice, even though there's no actual Pro Bowl game this year. So I'm going to go with Corey Lindsley. I think he has earned a Pro Bowl berth based on the way he played the first 11 games of this season. But I think because of his injury, he may not quite make it that. And because with offensive linemen, so much of it is reputation because there aren't as many statistics. And, you know, Corey Lindsley is considered up until this year good, but not elite. This year, he's been elite. He deserves it. I just don't know if he'll get it. I'm going to go with Robert Tunyon. This is a guy who has no name recognition. And for that reason alone I don't think he's gonna make gonna make it in he kind of came out of nowhere only Packers fans knew him and on top of that 
Only the uh, keen-eyed Packers fans knew him. But he ties nine receiving touchdowns, tied with Travis Kelsey. The next couple of tight ends are AFC guys. You actually got to get all the way down to TJ Hawkinson from Detroit to find the next NFC tight end. Hawkinson, I think, probably is going to get the nod over Tunyon because he was a uh, first-round pick, very well-known guy. There's just not a lot of NFC tight ends. The The competition is low. Uh, Jimmy Graham is actually the, actually the third highest NFC tight end, if you can believe it. You're scaring Tunyon to me. You're scaring me. <laughs> <laughs> Tunyon deserves to be in. He has been playing lights out. This is the first uh, true actual tight end we have seen for the Packers in a long time. Jimmy Graham does not count. Martellus Bennett does not count. <laughs> uh, I, genuinely, you got to go back like 20 years to to find a, a decent tight end for the Packers. Well, Jermichael Finley, to me, was the last, uh, you know, game threat, you know, deep threat kind of a tight end that other teams had to account for that, in their game plan. And you're going back to, what, 2012 when he was hurt, 2013? That's the guy everybody goes to, but his numbers were not as good as Tunyon. Tunyon has been he he has been so dependable. When you need him, he's there. He's a, a great uh end zone threat. My gosh, the the guy is practically a touchdown machine. Machine. You don't tie Travis Kelsey <laughs> unless you are absolutely just lethal in the red zone. But hey, listeners, we decided to debate uh start that over but hey listeners head on over to twitter we're gonna put up a poll here you can vote whether you like the robert tunyon pick or the Corey lindsley pick better as the guy who should make a pro bowl and will not please go ahead and vote this past week i have to say uh i improved i didn't lose (laughs) we tied we tied i still haven't beaten gill in like the last six weeks he is uh man he just consistently wins our our debates, and it's not fair. And and uh, I'm going to be complaining to the, com- the to the committee about this, but <laughs> we tied, so no winner this week. So this coming week, uh, for this episode, please go ahead and vote. Vote for me, especially if you want to do the right thing. <laughs> we will we will get back to you and, and let you know who won. So do that by going over to twitter.com/slash jj lahey l a h e y or at Gil Packers on Twitter. We're both going to pin the poll to the top of our profile, and you can vote now through the end of next week. Gil, give me your prediction for the final score for this Panthers-Packers game. Uh, I'm looking at Packers 33, Panthers 17. The Panthers consistently make it over the 20-point mark. I think they're going to just barely make it this week. I'm going to say they put up 21 points. Packers, I think, win by... 10 31 to 21 is my final prediction i do think this will be a stressful game this is not a team that has the ability to rally back at the end they have lost a ton of one score games i don't see that that changing here i don't think they're going to get it done against the packers i don't either i think the packers win and they take a big step forward towards solidifying their chances of earning that top seed and the bye because i think the chiefs will beat the saints Well, that's it for today. We'll be right back here next week. Follow us on Twitter. Again, that's at Gil Packers or at JJ Leahy. Stay up to date on all things Packers and to ask us questions for this show. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show. 
and thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Not